Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? What up, player? <laughs> I haven't said that for a while. It has been a little while. You know uh, what also has been a little while? Yeah. Uh, we haven't had a call from a certain uh, reverend. Dude, I is thought he, Is he recently. still alive? I mean, he's got to be like, what, a thousand years old by he, now? Yeah, he's probably entering his second millennium. He has uh, been leaving us alone, and that could be a blessing. But, I, you know, dude, normally in the past when we name him. That's true. He hears. He does. His spies are... Are everywhere. Yes, yes, and I feel inclined now. Uh, I know it's probably been a while since I told it, but one of my favorite memories is on a Sunday morning, walking <laughs> from my office through the hallways into the auditorium. Zach Bartles, you're listening. That sanctuary, setting up a future <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, auditorium sanctuary. Uh, auditorium is what the room actually is. Right. And then we dedicate it for the purpose of worship. So in that case, it's sanctuary. But anyway, I was on my way there. Yeah. And um, I turned the corner and I just saw you. Uh, I didn't realize you were part of a group doing something. And I saw you and I just said, hey, what's up, player? And, and let's be clear. The thing that I was doing yeah. was praying with a group with of the people. Group. <laughs> Dude, as soon as I rounded that corner and saw, oh, <laughs> and so don't worry, brother. I corrected it by saying uh, what I meant was, "What's up, Preya?" <laughs> wow. Wah, 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 oh man, wah. that was hysterical. Dude, I remember walking into the auditorium after, like, I am the world's worst pastor. Uh, hands down, there is no worse pastor who greets a member. <laughs> thought I was safe. Thought you were out there. What's up, Preya? And uh, then I see you praying with like eight people. Matt's got them all ready. We're, we think, dude, they're probably praying that new people that are outside of the faith would that the gospel come, is the clearly gospel's heard. clear <laughs> conviction of the Holy Spirit's at work. What's up, player? So uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting moment. So I'm now more cautious, <laughs> but I am ready to correct what's up, prayer whenever I need to. That's dude, right. uh, I got emails this morning. I can't believe I'm doing this. Too much coffee and lack of sleep. Um, couple of puns that came in this morning. I'll drop one to you. Uh, first one in. Yeah, uh, did you hear about the pig that lost his voice? Apparently, he's very very disgruntled. Um, wow. And then the other one, uh, dude, what do you call a stack of hay in a church? That would be a Christian bale. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Oh, man. All right, we're done. We, I'm we, sorry. We got to get on. We got we to gotta... <laughs> Dude, I told you. Uh, I uh, for those listening, I told Nathan I'm um, in the kind of final leg of this uh, semester, this this writing program that I'm doing. Yeah, you've been pulling some uh, early mornings. We can't even say late nights. No, it's been uh, early mornings for you. Yes, I had the joy of writing this uh, essay on T. S. Eliot and uh, his art and the original talent that um, 
wow, I'm not sure that was my best work. <laughs> Dude, when it was the uh, first four pages were good, the last four, maybe not so much. Hopefully the teacher only reads the first four, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm hoping Professor, they grade, like, say. certain <laughs> teachers I know grade. I won't name my name. I mean, name any names. <laughs> hey, look, it showed up in my box. Oh, it's the right amount of pages. I'm sure they wrote it. Um, not that I would ever do that, but... Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Mm. So anyway, dude, I'm a little punchy. Uh, got the stupid puns going and uh, all that, but uh, well, I'll get focused here. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get rolling. Always good. Uh, just want to make a mention. Uh, it is a warm day here in Maryland. We're co- recording at a different time than we normally do. So if you hear some extra background noise, it's just it's traffic that's right outside. I of got the window open. Our dude. window. It so. gets hot in the studio. Yeah. So uh, we are in the process of changing, however, yes. and. Uh, we will significantly reduce the noise. The noise, and hopefully, dude, I know we say it again and again, I think our gain, our boost is better. Yeah. But I listened to us the other day in the car yeah. coming back from Towson, and I had to have it pretty much cranked. Cranked yeah, I could hear it. Yeah. But it's funny, when I listen to it on my iPhone, mm-hmm. my iPad, MacBook, it's fine. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm at home sometimes, or just our podcast or other podcasts. I can put on the uh, the home iPod, yep. you know, uh, the in our kitchen, and I hear it crystal clear. It's like you and I are in the room together. Yeah, and that's the goal. Um, we will still figure out how to boost that gain. Yes, so that car listeners, which is probably if you listen in the car, let us know. Yeah, because uh, uh, some of the feedback we're getting is we could use more volume. Yes, and we are we are constantly working on that. You know, again. It's it's that mix of more volume without getting any of the background noise. And I think once we move our studio, it will be better because we are kind of in this corner office area and there's a lot of traffic that goes on. There's a lot of True. activity that goes on in the church. <clears throat> yep. And so we try our best not to pick up on a lot of that background. But Those blasted Girl Scouts <laughs> ruining our podcast. <laughs> and they know exactly what they're doing. That's right. They say they're just playing, running around, but. I think that only happened once. Yeah, I, I um, think so too. But yeah, if it gets really loud behind me, dude, I will shut this and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep rolling. We'll, we'll deal with it. But uh, we are in May. We just spent all of April uh, talking about the resurrection, historical evidences for the resurrection. Yeah, enjoy that. Uh, yeah, such a great, uh, great time to be able to talk with one another about that. Uh, explore, you know, what, what might be some of the objections to it and really talk about those as well. Yeah. Um, and really just coming away with, you know, uh, inviting people to do the deep dive themselves, yeah. yep. you know, just look into it for yourself. Really, that's that's what the gospel writers in, invited us to do. That's what Paul, through his epistles, invited the people to do is, you know, here are the witnesses. Look into it. Yeah, absolutely. And, dude, we talked about that, I think, didn't we? One of the, the pebble in the shoe analogy yes. or word picture. Uh, I've always liked that word picture because a pebble in your shoe, it doesn't harm you. It doesn't ruin your day. That's not what we're trying to do. But it's sort of the metaphor for what stays with you. Yeah. I'd like to think that if people take an honest look, just to look back quickly at April, yeah. on the resurrection, you think, what what better explanation is yeah. there for yeah. Christianity's existence in light of its unlikely origins? Yeah. It's peasantry followership. It's... Um, complete lack of access to power of any substance. Yes. And it dominated the Mediterranean world and beyond. Yes. Um, And to me, the most logical answer 
uh, is that these original uh, witnesses saw a resurrected Jesus. And there's really no coming back from that, dude. No. No, I mean, again, you've said it time and time again. You know, the person who can predict their death, burial, and resurrection. And pull it off. And pull it off. Yeah. That's the guy that you need to listen to. I'd say, I'm going to listen to that person. So if somebody else does it, I'll give them a full listen. Yes. Haven't seen it yet. Right. But right right now, Jesus is the one and only. Um, Which, by the way, dude, while we're... uh, lingering a little bit on that I, i'll promise i'll keep this short but i love that point i think we may have talked you and i talk so much nathan when we're not recording i know that i sometimes remember wait did you and i just talk yeah. about this over lunch or did we talk when we were recording yeah we're recording the uh fascinating uh thing to me is uh, you people will often say you know paul calls jesus the first fruits of the resurrection yeah but you say wait a minute we have resurrections prior to jesus Famously, we have Lazarus. Yep. We have Jairus' daughter yeah. in the gospel accounts. I'll go all the way back even into the Old Testament. Old Testament. Have, Elijah uh, yeah. and Elisha have these stories. Yeah. Of the widow's sons that are virtually parallel accounts. Uh, you know, uh, Matthew tells us that uh, people were coming out of their graves when Jesus died, yeah. as we've talked about. So you think, wait a minute, what's what's happening here? Why is Jesus the first fruits? I mean, you could argue seventh, eighth, you know, if you, you know, depending on how you count everything up. But no, he isn't. He is the first. Yeah. Because I would say those were temporary restorations. Yes. And they died again. Yeah. The resurrection, Jesus rose. Yes. To never die again. Yes. And that is the hope waiting Lazarus. Yep. The hope that was waiting all those uh, Jairus' daughter that we named. They got a pretty great story to tell. Right. They came back to live and die again. Yeah. But the resurrection is that never-ending life. And I just think it's a cool thing. So, you know, when you see that first fruits, uh, <clears throat> Paul's not being, well, yeah, he, there were other resurrections, but right. Jesus is more important. No, the, he was the first true resurrection. So yes. And that's that. that's the comfort that we're given, right? That we can look to Christ uh, who scripture call he is our older brother yeah. in under uh, under the Godhead and uh, we look to him as our example of what we have to look forward to this life eternal that will not end we will not we will not one day die and come back again and die again I mean maybe we will in some spectacular miraculous thing but right. but one day if we are in Christ that death will finally cease yes and we will live forever it's an incredible. No hope quite like it. Yeah. Uh, just uh, uh, you know, never-ending life. Uh, wow. Yeah. What a joy. Well, May, I'm 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 equally um, excited to talk about our discussion here in May because yes. we are going to be focusing on um, us as the church, as the mission field. Yes. And it doesn't matter where you are, uh, Greg. You were uh, born in Maryland. You've lived in Maryland your entire life. Yes. Um, I, as far as I know, you have no plans to, you know, move to Oklahoma or, you know, become a, uh, a kingpin there. Or, no, uh, no, that, uh, that's, that role's been taken. That's right. Uh, no no uh, calling as of yet to, to move to Africa or Asia. And so you will probably uh, die here. Very likely. Um, Very likely, dude. And... The question is, 
that that we are going to be posing this whole month is it doesn't matter, or, or the, the statement we're going to be making, the thesis, as it were, is that it doesn't matter if you are born, live, and die in one area, if you move around to a thousand areas in your lifetime, that wherever you are, that's your mission field. Right. And we are going to be starting this series um, about that with uh, this topic, does God really care about certain things? Yes. Um, and, and this is something that I've been thinking about because uh, over the years, and, and we'll, we'll tie all this together, I promise, so bear with us. We will tie it all together into, this is our intro into yes. this topic. One of the things that got me thinking about that is over the years, I've heard many people talk about, uh, you know, the, these teams uh, in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, or in you know the the World Series doesn't matter what the team is, and you hear about these uh, you know phenomenal Christians who are a part of whatever team it might be, and these other players who are more hedonistic and all about themselves. Uh, for those of you who who don't know uh, that term hedonism, it, it just means you know you're self involved. You look inward. Uh, the glory and the fame is all about you. Um, and so many people have said over the years, well, you know, this team, God is for this team to win the Super Bowl because of X, Y, Z players who are on this team. I, yes. I can remember, you know, most notably you have, uh, it was several years ago, you had the Patriots. Yes. Uh, I don't like to think about that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember something about their run bunch of Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, whoever that guy was. But you you know, you you've got Tom Brady who is very <laughs> noticed it. for and and he's noted for being about himself and you know, I mean, and, and that's not to say that he doesn't do good works and good things. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that, but he's very much, you know, this is my talent, this is my ability. Uh the team they were playing was it uh Washington? Um no, in a Super Bowl. Yeah, where the what was it, the quarterback was just uh, lauded for being uh, a believer and you know giving the glory and the credit to God. He's just very outspoken about his faith. I'm trying to think which one that would have been. Let me think, dude. Uh, I'm guessing it was the Eagles. I think you're right. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you're right. At that time, it was Nick Foles, yes. who I believe is, yes. is That's, uh, yep. professes to be uh, Jesus yes. follower. Actually, Carson Wentz, who he replaced, also. Uh, I believe uh, is a professing believer, so I think that I'm just the letting the audience uh, into the knowledge of of my knowledge <laughs> of football. No, no, no. I think you're uh, right. Well, the big thing, dude. I'm like Washington Super Bowl. Yeah, not for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking. I know it wasn't them, unless you were thinking of some other game. But I think that's the one. Yeah, I think and it I think was the, I think you're right. Yeah, I um, think that was the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson was the coach of the Eagles. Um, Nick Foles kind of had a spectacular story. He played his butt off in this impressive run and i think was a very unashamed believer yeah as a member of service yeah so that's a good contrast and and so the you know the idea was well you know the the eagles are going to win because right. god is for the eagles you know there's this man there who you know is just outspoken believer sure. and you know so they're the ones that are going to take it and they didn't uh they did did they <laughs> Dude, I'm then ruining. Then I'm thinking of something uh, else. Thinking I'm thinking of, of a different team. game. Then, yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm thinking I'm, of a different game because it was the one where the the Patriots took it um, over the other team. And I'll go back and look that up, dude. There's several because we got um, we've got Seattle, uh, and I don't know that would have been Russell Wilson at the time, uh, and the Patriots won that. They shouldn't have. 
Uh, but terrible call. See, I think that's line. the one I'm thinking of, Washington. Seattle, oh, Washington. Oh, Seattle, yeah. Washington. Yeah, you know what? You might be, the, and I'll have to look if Russell, that may be the truth. I should, if Isaac, my son, were here, we just he, would, recently, yeah. he would know. Uh, I can't remember Russell Wilson professes to be a believer, but there's probably several believers on that team. But, dude, that's why, not to take a report, but no, yeah. the Eagles did win that one. Yeah. Um, with a uh, Doug uh, Peterson Philly special call. But I think that might be the one you're thinking of. But let's just take the broader point. Yeah. Which I hear all the time. Yeah. Uh, does Is God going to side with the outcome of a game? Yeah. Based on what, maybe the number of believers right. or the strength of that believers' faith? And uh, for my two cents, I'll just burst the balloon right there and say uh, no. Yeah. Um, at closer to home for Baltimore fans, Ray Lewis, when we went on our Super Bowl run in 2012, yep. well, the game was, was 2013, but the 2012 season, uh, that was uh, exciting. It was unexpected. We, we didn't stand out of the pack that year. But we had believers on the team. Ray Lewis certainly uh, professes to, to follow Christ, and he rallied the team together. It was going to be his final season. And uh, quoted, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And I remember thinking, what about these five or six games we lost that season? Did the weapons right. prosper against us that game? And it it's where you start mixing sort of God's investment yeah. In things that that we care about, but you wonder, does he really? Right. Because, yeah, we beat the 49ers that year in the Super Bowl. Uh, I would imagine they're believers on both teams. Right. So, yeah, you asked me that, dude, in a text a week or so ago. I said, that's a great question. Yeah. Does God care yeah. about those kinds of things? Um, many of us, wouldn't you say, Nathan, are conditioned to say God cares about everything even right. the little things and there's an appropriateness that we tell our children that yeah when they are worried about things uh god cares about everything and, yeah um as we get older i'd say yes but what does that mean so right. let me give a quick example of this yeah yeah uh philippians 4 13 i can do all things through christ who strengthens me so you and i have both taught students due to bible interpretation right so i don't know if you've done i've used this one before. oh yeah absolutely and i'll write it on the board so here we go guys so what does that mean uh you know what i am determined i want a platform to speak of christ so i'm going to go on the basketball court <clears throat> and i'm going to practice and christ is in me uh i can do all things yeah so i want to surpass the greatness of lebron james michael jordan um, you know, just name any any great star. Magic yeah. Johnson, you know, uh, Kobe. I am going to surpass their greatness. Yeah. Um, and I got it right here in the Word. That's what it says. Right. Two ways to look at that, dude. Theoretically, of course. Right. God can do whatever he wants. The question you're asking, is that what Paul meant? Yes. When he wrote that verse? Well, the preceding context, he just said, I have learned to be content yes. in plenty or in want. Yeah. Then he says, I can do all things through him. I take the all things defined by the two plenty and want. Right. Um, that that's what he's ultimately saying. That should not be the verse that we placard on gyms. Right. And you can be greater than 
Michael Jordan. You can be a greater baseball player than Mike Trout. You can be a greater football player than Tom Brady. Come on, man. Right. You know, so, right. <laughs> so I'm saying there's a way in which when we're younger, we understand things. Yeah. And as we're older, they, they come into maybe clearer focus, yeah. more nuance. Yeah. This, to me, the question you're asking falls in that category. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't that the way we teach our children, right? That you know, the, here here are some very small yes. concepts for you to understand because the greater nuances of what Paul is teaching to his adult audience, of course, is is very different. You know, so yes, we we teach our children when they're struggling. You can do these things through Christ, yes. right? That that He can empower you to do these things. Then, as we get older and and we begin to mature and we understand, okay, what what are the things that I can actually do? Like, what is yeah. that looking at? We, again, we teach our children, okay, this is what Paul was meaning yes. when he was doing that. I was trying to give you a concept that you could hang your hat on. Of course. Now let's talk about what that actually means and looks like. Great example, dude. I think of a, like a, a hot stove. Yeah. All a, a little two-year-old needs to know is don't go near the stove. Yes. That's all they need to know. Yeah. And then maybe a 12-year-old, you know, starts, oh, I want to learn how to do some things. Hey, I want to learn how to heat up Campbell's soup. Yeah. All right, come over here. Let me tell you. You, you come near the stove. Yeah. But you're also mindful. Stove right. can be still dangerous to a 12-year-old. Right. So, no, you don't turn on every burner. You only need right. one. All four burners don't need to be. So here's how you turn it on. Yes. Uh, do it right so you don't let the gas run for two minutes before it finally ignites and yeah. goes that, right? And in other words, you, you nuance the teaching. The yeah. principle's the same. Stove right. is dangerous. Right. Two-year-old needs to know it means stay away from it. A Twelve-year-old yes. needs to know how to use it rightly. I think it's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, what you the two-year-old needs to know that they can rely on Christ in all situations. Exactly. Where the fifteen-year-old needs to understand what those situations are. Absolutely, and it may be, man, I can be faithful to Christ here in this sporting event. Yeah. Uh, when everybody around me is urging me to, you know. I don't know, make inappropriate comments right. about a girl. Everybody's urging me to participate in an activity that's going to be harmful to my body and others. Um, I don't know how to do that. No, you can. Yeah. Christ can strengthen you to do that thing yeah. in that context. And, yeah, we grow, we mature. So that was good, dude, because I think this needs a little lead-in. Yeah. And I'll say, dude, I'll say some things and feel free to challenge it. Sure, yeah. Uh, you, me, and Matt Smith were talking about this before we recorded. Yeah. Um. I've struggled with this. I preached a sermon yeah. years ago, remember, on prayer. Yep. And it was around the time that Lisa and I were about to settle on our house. So yeah, it would have been 2013. Yeah. And we're on vacation. We're all good. We're all getting ready to settle. I get a text message on my phone from our loan officer. Might have a little problem. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we're enjoying vacation. We know we're going to come back and close in like a week or two later. Sure. Like, I thought everything was set. We're just waiting on this point. And it was something that appeared. It was like an account that still reported open or even though it was closed, they needed some documentation. I'm like, okay, dude, this is a little edgy. Yeah. And as you and Matt were kind of maybe, hmm, that's an interesting <laughs> take. I said, yeah, Lisa, I don't want to pray for this. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody waits. Okay, cue lightning bolt. Right, right. right. (laughs) There's a context to that. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder sometimes the things that we think are really important. Yeah. Now, Super Bowl is kind of an easy one, right? But we'll we'll come back to that. Um, 
most of the people say, oh, it's just a game. Well, my closing on the house, well, that matters and stuff. And I'm not saying it doesn't. Right. But even that, dude, in my mind, I thought, does God owe me a smooth closing? No. Most Christians agree he doesn't owe it. Does he necessarily want me to have a smooth closing? Dude, I have a hard time even answering that. Right. Now, so in the sermon, I was probably a little more extreme and less nuanced than yeah, I could have been. Yeah, sure. I got some response. I said, Lisa and I didn't pray about it. I made the calls I needed to make. Um, and, uh, you know, we got word a day or two later, hey, everything's good. Yeah. You know, I faxed this. We got this thing notarized. Everything was on the clear. Loan went through. Closing went through. Um, I, I, I don't in any means think it would have been wrong to pray about it. But my friend Dave Shive, yeah. pastoral mentor, had recently been to Vietnam yeah, uh, and had equipped several pastors there. And Dave was telling me one time at breakfast when he got back, he goes, Greg, hearing what these pastors endure, no place to meet, hostility from some bordering uh, villages and, and what space they could use, what space they wouldn't, how far they walked for Bible training, yeah. how impoverished so many of these dear folks were and what they prayed for. Yeah. Ultimately for the salvation of lost people, ultimately yeah. for the discipleship of folks. Dave, this was stayed in my head. This was right yeah. before I preached yeah. the sermon. Yeah. Said I came back, I got an email, I opened it up, and it was a good guy who had just moved to a nice home in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, got his dream job, but the one challenge is his home Wi Fi was spotty. <laughs> And it was causing some trouble. We all know that. It oh, does yeah. cause trouble. So that was a prayer request. And Dave said, I don't mean to say, oh, my goodness, that guy's terrible or anything like that. But he just said the contrast between leaving yeah. Vietnam yeah. and what they were praying for. So sometimes, dude, I just yeah. feel like, eh, and I might go too far the other way. Yeah, yeah. And Matt was challenging me yeah. in there. Yeah, But I, I, I don't know. God always cares about our hearts. Right. And our posture towards him. Yeah. So I'd feel much more confident praying, God, if the settlement goes through, of course I want it to go through. Right. Great. Help me celebrate that, not like I was owed it, and, uh, or that the forces of hell were conspiring against right. me and I got a great spiritual victory. Right. Help me just say, wow, what a gift, what a blessing, yeah. what a blessing to worry about. And if I don't get it, right. help me say, that's fine. Right. I've got my wife, I've got my health. Most right. of all, I've got my salvation. I've got Jesus. Right. Um, I probably could have nuanced that better in the sermon and added some of these. I didn't. Yeah. I just said, yeah, I didn't pray about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 dude, even you and Matt's expression when I was telling that story, you tell we're like, yeah. So well, in, all my cards on the table. In now. fairness, I do, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh -huh. And I guess this is where I would differ is that, I would not put that out for yeah. mass consumption. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and like but, in a sermon to your entire well, church. No, no, no. Actually, what I what I'm saying is I would not put that out there. Like, hey guys, uh, my house is having some issues. So, you know, could I have you know the 200 members of our church pray for this? Right. That that yes, I would pray for that internally. I, Joy and I would pray for that. Yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm not putting that out there as this is some great need that we need to get the body of believers to be supporting us in. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because I think that's the other thing that we 
we misconstrue is that for that gentleman that Dave was talking about, uh, this is a need that this guy has because of his job, right? right. So yeah, it's it's a need that's that's out there. Uh, this isn't something that needs to go out to the pastors to right. be praying for. Yeah. Um, and, and again, in light of the situations and circumstances, yeah. you know. And so, to me, where I look at that and where I would differ is, you know, Joy and I, you know, bought a house uh, a couple years ago, and um, we, you know, were in similar situations where things were in yeah. flux. I mean, that was uh, during COVID shutdown when we were doing. I that. remember, that was dude. Yeah, spring of 2020 when yeah. we were going through that process. Um, and so there were, you know, there were th- some things coming up. We we needed to uh, be out of our house by the end of June. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so th- kind of put all our eggs in the one basket. This is where we're going. And, yeah. you know, there were there were some things. And so, yeah, Joy and I would sit down and pray about this. Yeah. If people would ask, you know, is there something I can pray for you? You know, because her family would ask about how the process is going. You know, well, you know, things are kind of rough here, you know, um, yeah. Oh, can, can I pray? I'm not going to tell someone, no, you don't pray for me yes. <laughs> about that. Right. Um, but that's not something, that's not an email that I'm going to send out to people saying, Hey, could you, could you all just rally and pray for this thing? Yes. Um, because like you said, well, th- they're actually greater issues. And if I'm not willing to put on there, you know what I've got, and, and I don't do this. I don't do this on a regular basis and maybe I should, you know, I've, I've got, you know, uh, probably about half of my student population at school, uh, who aren't believers or who don't understand their faith. Right. Um, maybe I should be putting that in an email before I put uh, could you pray that my mortgage goes through? Yeah, dude. I, great point. Great point. It reminds me, there is a, a great little book. It's probably 20, 25 years old now by D.A. Carson. Um, you wouldn't think the title doesn't tell you this. The subtitle does. But I think it's called A Call to Spiritual Reformation. Mm. But the subtitle was Priorities from Paul and His Prayers, mm. I believe. And it's really a study of the prayers of Paul. Kind of an interesting book angle. And um, he just goes through all the prayers of Paul. So if you excerpt every Pauline prayer. Yeah. Let's be honest, dude. If you lay them all out and compare them to a lot of, let's just say, an American suburban prayer meetings. Yeah. They look different. Yeah. Um, There's some overlap. We generally are going to pray for lost people, but. They look very different. So I think your question about priorities and your point about communication is really good. Maybe there's that really close, hey, yeah, one thing that's been stressing me, I've got this thing hanging over me, um, you know, you're a friend. But wouldn't you feel more confident, more more uh, connected, maybe is the right word, to the, the issue and the people you're asking to pray for the issue yeah. if, okay, I've got a very close relative Who's on their deathbed? Yeah, and I, I'll be—I don't believe that they know Christ yeah. as Savior. Yeah, like I don't know, dude. Yeah. I'm—I—I'm going to be much more inclined to pray and to ask for prayer. Yeah, it's—it's it's almost a—it's a really a prioritization. Yeah, uh, of these things, and I—I I think, well, at some level, dude, does God care about yeah. the outcome of a game? Yeah. Uh, man, that's really hard to, to show. 
uh, every the heart of every person involved in that game. Yes. Players, officials, coaches, yeah. spectators. Yes. Yeah. But that's different. Well, and and so you know, again, let's go back to to the game thing, right? Um, you've told me about this. You're free with this, Greg. Yeah. Um, you can be uh, a little over enthusiastic while watching games. Yes, I can. Um, and so Lisa loves that. <laughs> loves. <it. laughs> Very happy. Get, gets her going, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she when she sees me screaming at the TV, she says, "You are the most handsome, charming man on the planet." <laughs> That's why she married yeah. you, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. But but the idea, okay, not the prayer of who's going to win or lose the game, but yeah. could you pray that while I watch this game, my attitude, 100%. that I would not, that I would not fall into sin and temptation. You know, it was it was yeah. the same thing when I was working at the liquor store years ago, and I would um, th- there are situations that would just drive me nuts yes and and for so long i prayed that god would change the people yeah (laughs) that they would be better and uh it was about halfway through that experience that i started praying god would you change me yeah and would you change my response to them right because it doesn't matter if they're changed or not if if that person goes from being uh the most despicable person in the world to the most lovely person in the world um through through a divine change but that doesn't happen because of christ yes then it doesn't matter yeah but god i i already know your son would you change my heart so that i could exemplify christ to that person yes more and more um at my ordination i'll mention dave shive again i i, I rarely remember these kinds of things but because you know, they're kind of um symbolic they're decorative they're nice not always memorable you think oh what what was everything said it seemed so important at the time this one stood out to me i remember at least and i were on the the platform there at our church uh still meadow dave was the senior pastor at the time and um he, he did a very nice job with that service but i remember he just turned to me at least at one point and says if i could urge you both to remember one thing what god does through you is important but what God does in you yeah. is of paramount importance. I thought that was a really good distinction because, let's be honest, dude, we can justify a lot of things when God works through somebody. Well, look at all the great that's happening. Right. Look over. But God's concern for the heart, yeah. this is the only thing. Dude, I think Philip Yancey said it way back in his either disappointment with God or where is God when it hurts. You know, He, he wrote some really compelling books on the subject of suffering. Yeah. And just a simple observation that at some point we come to suspect. Yeah. And it seems to be confirmed by scripture that God cares more about the spiritual state of our hearts and faith than he seems to about the disease, the physicality of what we're experiencing. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't care about those things, but we all die. Yeah. So at some point, no, there's not going to be the eleventh hour turnaround. Right, it's going to end. Yeah, uh, and then we we enter into glory. Um, so it does really capture. So what is most important in this moment? Yeah, Roscoe, who I yeah. regularly quote, 
I loved how he would handle this. He he was so careful about it, but people he prayed so regularly, had such a reputation as a, a prayer warrior. So of course, people when they had sick relatives, etc., would naturally seek uh, him out because they knew there was an empathetic soul. Yeah, he was going to be write you down on his little list, and he would pray. But he would ask if he didn't know the person, "Can I ask, as far as you know, does this person know Jesus? Yeah, have a relationship with Jesus?" And if they said, I don't think so, he says, well, I'm certainly going to pray for their healing, but I'm going to pray more yeah. for their salvation. And he would just say that. It was such a simple point. He goes, I remember he would always turn to me with this childlike excitement. He goes, Greg, what, what could be more important than somebody's salvation? Yeah. I can't think of anything more important than that. Yeah. And it was just, again, what, what are you doing there? You're prioritizing things. Yes. That I think scripture speaks to. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're all going to die. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, are we ready? Yeah. Are we prepared? So we all know that. There's some prioritization. Yeah. So these questions of what God cares about, I, my whole thing is I, I try to urge people, if it's pastorally or my own kids, to think about the things that matter the most. Right. Right. Often if there's um, a disappointment, yeah. I really thought I was going to get admitted to the school i thought i was going to make this team i yeah. thought i was going and it didn't happen of course i care about that right but guys what's even more important how are you going to respond yes in light of this what posture is your heart going to find itself in in light of this yes so yeah i'm not really pro- i said this earlier too dude yeah yeah this is always a little tricky Oh, boy, if anybody's listening and you've asked me this, I'm not thinking of you, I promise. I don't have a single person in my mind. I really mean that. But I've always found it strange when I've been asked when I'm doing a wedding. Pray that it doesn't rain. Mm, yeah. Matt, now we yeah. talked about that. I yeah. don't think even necessarily lines up with me on that. Because yeah. I think Matt would say, what's a desire? Right. Right, of course, you know. And when we have church events outside, like the after party, right? don't want it to rain. I'm just going to put it out there, dude. I've never really been able to pray that. Yeah. I don't know why, because in the same quadrant of uh, geography, if there's a farmer uh, that needs rain or somebody is on a well water system and uh, the rain would do great, are they praying for that? Is my prayer competing with their prayer? It's a circumstance. Yeah. So I'm much more comfortable, but I'm open to be challenged on this as we were talking. I'm much more comfortable saying, hey, whether it rains or doesn't rain, yeah. Kind of go back to yeah, the Philippians 4.13. Yeah. I can do all things right? yeah. in yeah. plenty or in want. Of yeah. course, who wants it to rain on their wedding day? Right. Nobody. Right. Of course you want sunny skies and pleasant temperatures. And if that happens, great. Yeah. May I take it as it's a wonderful blessing, a wonderful gift. And if it doesn't happen, may I say great. Yeah. I wasn't owed that, and I'm still at this wedding. Yeah. Or if you're the bride or groom, I'm still marrying the person I'm supposed to have. So anyway. Now let me let me push back a little bit on please because we're we're actually leading into this idea of of being um, missional wherever we are. So, I, and and my my thought process when dealing with believers and unbelievers is is really becoming more and more clearer and refined. I think. Yes. Um, so I have. Uh, friends who are believers who might come to me and say, hey, could you pray about this? You know, I, I might push back on them and say, how about instead I pray about your attitude? Yeah. Instead of praying for this specific thing for you, what about what about I pray for these things instead? Yeah. I mean, would that would that be okay? Because 
that would serve my conscience a little more. And, and I will say, uh, you know, one of the things that Roscoe talks about uh, or talked about yep. often was prayer being a conversation with his father. Yes. It, it's an opportunity just to talk to him. And so I think, I think those things can be brought just one-on-one between you and your father. God, yeah. would you, you know, make sure that these things work out? But we know, you know, God is not concerned with our happiness. He's concerned with our holiness. Right. And in becoming more holy, we do become more happy. Sure. I do oh, believe yeah. that. The right kind of happy. Um, but someone who's not a believer yeah. comes and says, uh, would you pray for this? God, this is an opportunity for your glory to be made known to mm-hmm. this person. And this is a request that they have. Would you in some way use this? to draw them closer to you. Oh, of course. To me, that's that's different because now I have an unbeliever who has no context and no theological construct. I can pray fervently that God would answer that prayer and use that answered prayer to draw that person to them. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's different than, uh, you know, a believer who's coming and like, could you pray f- essentially for my comfort? In sure. My yeah, of course. Right. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. That's well said. But think what you're doing. It's the prioritization yes. again. Yeah. Because you're seeing a person outside of Christ. Yes. And the the it's almost as if that's the issue. Yeah. The 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 prayer i don't want to say the request itself is immaterial yeah that, that's that's too extreme yeah but it definitely is what's the word subordinated to yes. that greater need it's it's roscoe again yeah uh you know he would say well the first thing i will pray but i'm gonna pray even more, more yeah uh that god would draw that person to himself yeah and your point is maybe he'll do that through the answer yeah. prayer maybe he he uh he will but dude the other thing the flip side of that is maybe he'll do that by not answering the prayer, yeah. we hope that it would yeah. come. Because um, it's, you know, sometimes uh, a person will get the healing and quickly forget. Yes. Right? Jesus yes. discusses this principle uh, in the Gospels. Um, and so part of it is we just don't know what God is always doing yeah. to move things forward. So I, I love your reminder that if we're in conversation with God, we're keep, kind of keeping our heart open to him. Yeah. God. Yeah. And I'm always comforted by the fact that Jesus says he knows what we want or need before we even ask. Yeah. yeah. So I always feel like God knows what we, like he's yeah. not surprised. Yeah. I wonder if God, what, does he know that I'd like my settlement to close smoothly? I think he knows yeah. that I like that. Um, but we also have Jesus, you know, who again is in the garden praying. Yeah. And I think Jesus knows if, if, you know, I think if we were going to be honest, I think Jesus knows what the answer is. I do too. You know, and his prayer though is, if there's any other way, yeah, would you remove this cup? And you know, the answer for he's still not afraid to ask. I agree. I, you and know, I, and, I, I, perfect and, example. And I think that's where you know we come down to it. You know, and and this is an example too where where Christ asks his disciples to pray, and we're not told what what they're asked to pray for, right? We're just, would you stay awake and pray? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's not asking them specifically to pray for anything. You know, would you pray that this cup of wrath would be removed from me so that, you know, he just, would you be vigilant? Would you stay awake? Would you pray? Um, And then Christ goes alone specifically to be with his father. Yes. To bring up his request. Yes. uh, Before him. Yeah, dude. And, and to me, the, 
the beautiful foundational piece of that moment uh, for all of us to take in is he is saying, whatever that answer is, yeah. I will willingly yes. embrace. Not my will. Yes. Yours be done. Yeah. What a powerful thing. So uh, I've thought of doing this sometimes in a skit form, dude, to kind of illustrate that posture in prayer. Yeah. Imagine uh, three scenes. I'll do it really quickly. Yeah. You have a father sitting in a chair. Yeah, just, I mean, a regular father, yeah, yeah, earthly yeah. dad, right? Yeah. And on the end table next to his chair are car keys. Yeah. And the son in this story comes in. Scenario number one. Dad, I just I just know those car keys. I'm your son. You're my father. So those keys are my keys because all that you have is right. mine. I know. So uh, you know, I need to go out tonight, hang out with friends, and drive. So I am just so so happy that those keys are going to be mine, and I'm going to go out with my friends tonight, and I claim those keys, and I cannot wait to go out. That's scenario one. Yeah. Scenario number two. Uh, son comes in. Um, Dad, uh, I see those keys. They're, they're not my keys. They're entirely your keys. Um, I recognize that you can make a decision to give me those keys or not give me those keys. Um, I'd love to go out with my friends uh, tonight, but I recognize you're going to decide whether those keys come to me or not. And, uh, you know, whatever you decide is what you you decide. So I just am sharing that with you, and thanks. Um, and I'll use that to set it up. Uh, you could ask the question, uh, what did the father do in those scenarios? Well, in neither scenario did the son ask. Right. Scenario number one, the son claims. Right. Scenario number two, the son states. Right. Third scenario, hey, Dad, love to go out with my friends tonight. Do you mind if I have the car keys? Could I use the car? Right. That's the proper request. Now, how the kid responds. Right. Son, tonight's not a good night. Right. I'm going to need the car yep. because your mother and I need to take care of something important. Right. Uh, or, yeah, you can tonight. I yeah. need it back by 11. Make sure you don't see how past curve you. How the son accepts that. Right. But he, in only one scenario does he ask. Yes. And the question is how he responds. Responds to the asking. So yeah. the first one, dude, is the extreme name it and claim it, yeah. blab it and grab it, yep. kind of health wealth stuff. The second one is the one our tribe is probably a little more guilty of doing. Yeah. And Matt, I've heard him point this out before. If we're praying for a kid with cancer... I think we should ask, Yeah, would you heal this child? Yeah. And our heart should accept right. the will that God has. Sometimes we pray the will, right? and we're not really asking anything. Right. Lord, we pray your will, whatever you... Right. I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's wrong. The Holy Spirit's going to interpret all yeah. these words. Yeah. But I try to urge people, tell him yeah. what you want. He already yes. knows, agreed, but tell him. But your yeah. point, what we see in Gethsemane, to posture your heart to, yeah. to receive what he chooses to do yeah. is the real business of it. Yeah. But we should ask. Well, we're going to wind up uh, here soon, but I want to I want to read this um, from Acts because, again, this is going to lead us into what we're going to be uh, discussing. And so uh, this is uh, right during uh, Christ's uh, ascension, so right before he ascends. Uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm. What is it ultimately that we should be asking for that we know God has a heart and a burden for yeah. the lost? Yep. That 
those who do not know who Christ is, that his name would be made known across the ends of the earth, right? This is, this is the covenant that was given to Abraham all the way back in Genesis, that Abraham would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, yes. right? This is what I tell my students all the time when we're talking about this, that God promises Abraham a famous name, a large family, wealth and riches, but the purpose of all of that is not to serve himself, but that Abraham would take all of those things and make all the other nations blessed through him, that God is going to use him to make his name famous and to make all the nations blessed. We know ultimately that blessing comes through the person of Christ, and that is what we are to do. We are to take wherever we are, whether we're in uh, Jerusalem, right? For us, Greg, this is Harford County, Baltimore mm-hmm. County, Maryland, and we are to take the gospel to those places, yes. to the unreached people groups, yep. whether that's the greater Baltimore, Maryland area, whether that's uh, other places in the United States of America, or whether that is to China or Africa or Russia, wherever that might be, that yep. wherever we are, our posture is to... to seek the will of God. And we know beyond a shadow of doubt that God's will is that we would take his name to the ends of the earth. Yes. And so what we're going to be leading into, Greg, we're going to give you some uh, opportunities here to, to talk about that a little bit more, is that if that's the case, then being here in uh, Harford County or Baltimore County, one is more conservative than the other, yeah. whichever county we're in, we are aiming the message of the gospel to that people group. That's what missions is, is to take the gospel to the people group. So that means that if I'm in uh, the Middle East, I'm not going to get very far if I stand on a street corner and I yell that Jesus died for the sins of the world and Muhammad is a false prophet Mm -hmm. and Allah is not the true God. Um, I'm going to lose my head fairly right. quickly, and the gospel's not really going to go out far. Yes, and no missionary organization that I know of is going to support would, me. Would sponsor yeah. that approach. Yes, in in engaging people to put their eyes on Christ. Yes. but yeah, keep keep rolling. I, I like what you're doing. But if I say, you know what, I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to get to know these people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to invite them to my home, and we're going to have meals together. And they're going to invite me to their home, and I'm going to enjoy meals together. And I'm going to build relationships with them yeah. before I, before Jesus even comes out of my mouth. Then I have an opportunity to find out where the needs are and how I can preach the gospel. Now, if I'm going to lose my life for the gospel, I'm going to lose my life for the gospel, right? If I'm caught in the process of doing this. But what I'm saying, I'm going to be strategic in how I do it because that's, again, to your point, if a mission organization is sending me out, they're sending me out to make Christ's name famous in all of the world, but they want me to be strategic about it. Of course. Because... You know, I mean, this is kind of Paul's argument, right? If if I die, if I lose my life for the sake of the gospel, then that's great. But I struggle because I want to stay here because if I'm here longer, that means I get to preach the name of Christ more. Yeah. And so I'm going to be strategic about how I do this. Yeah. We see the disciples doing this as well. 
the you know we we get these moments in these pockets where the disciples are loudly on the street corner proclaiming the name of Christ but they learn quickly that actually no there's a strategy to how we need to do this so that we aren't just um you know throwing our lives away right there's a wisdom to that all my missionary friends that i talk to and, and there are numerous missionary friends that i talk to they understand that there is a risk to teaching the gospel, but there's also a foolishness if you do it in the wrong oh, way. Oh, of course, yes. And wherever we are, we want to make sure if that's in the United States of America, you know, and and there are all sorts of cultural differences that that we will encounter. It doesn't matter if we're talking about um, the the transgender community. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether we're talking about the homosexual community. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about the ultra right wing or the ultra left wing. Mm-hmm. That there are these cultural differences, and if I can't become all things to all people in order that the gospel might be preached to them, then I'm not going to be good to anyone. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I give up on the distinctives of scripture, but that means that the gospel becomes first and foremost Mm -hmm. so that I have their ear as I'm preaching the offense of the cross and only the offense of the cross. Yes. Uh, Dude, well said. I mean, you're, you're kind of bringing this full circle because we're asking what does God care about in this episode? And I'm so glad to end the lost. I mean, uh, that parable Jesus tells 99 sheep, um, you know, I always say, dude, if I got a 99 on a test, yeah, I lost one point. Man, who cares? I'm, I'm right. dancing on top <laughs> right. of the, the table. He cares about that missing one, Yeah, the outside yeah. person. Uh, so you, you've got Jesus giving the, the three parables in Luke 15. You've got the lost sheep. Yep. Uh, that, that's the first one that we just said. You've got the lost coin, yep. the woman. Uh, and then you've got the lost son, the prodigal son. And the what uh, the thread that runs through that is God cares about that lost one. Yes. So I'm always much more emboldened to pray for the lost. So I think we're setting up next week by doing this a little, right, dude? Yeah. I, I'll say this. I'm very concerned yeah. that there is a form of American evangelical Christianity, and it tends to lean right yep. on this issue, particularly in Harford County, where we we can kind of take shots and vilify presumably the very people we're trying to reach. Yeah. One thing to set up next week that I'll say, dude, imagine you're in India. Yeah. You you said the Middle East. um, And there's a story I can tell next week. It's a little too involved. But um, you and I both know, dude, as believers, we are free to eat that delicious Five Guys burger. (laughs) And I do frequently. And as do I, my (laughs) friend, right? You're in India. Yeah. And it's very possible a large segment of the people that you're living among, that you're working with, think that a cow is somebody's ancestor. Yep. Somebody's grandmother, perhaps, et cetera. Uh, Yeah, sure, you and I would get together one-on-one and say, that's not true. Right. But if we think like missionaries, I'm not going to walk down the street Look at me with my Big Mac. Look right. at me with my double cheeseburger. Right. Ha! Huh. Uh, that would be You just, ignorant people. Don't uh, you yes. know any better? And I'm not putting out tweets vilifying them for right. believing that. If we think like missionaries, yeah. we engage people yeah. with the gospel as our primary view. 
introducing them to Jesus. All the other stuff, once that introduction has been made and, Lord willing, successfully made, becomes a question of teaching and discipleship and growth. So uh, I'm very eager, dude, if God cares about the lost, and we have no doubt about that, not the Super Bowl, not the World Series, the lost, how does that affect number of things that we do yeah um well and and what is so we know god's heart is for the lost we also know that his heart for his children are that they would look more and more like christ exactly yeah when you look at christ's interaction with the lost yeah it's very different than his interaction with the church Yes. And I think that's important to understand, right? The, yep. the way he goes after the Pharisees and the ones who should know better oh, sure. is very different yeah. than his heart and his, his compassion for those who don't. Oh, for of course. those who are who are confused by mm. the religion that they see, for those who have no knowledge yeah. of God, for those who have a pseudo knowledge of God. It's it's very different posture that he has toward them. Yes, and we're told time and time again he has compassion yes. on the lost, and we need to remember that that his heart for the lost is the same heart that he has for us as his children to look more and more like his son, Absolutely. and to have that same heart and passion and compassion Absolutely. for those who are lost. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to to tackle this. So. Um. Yeah, no, this has been good. We actually went a little over than we thought we would. That's all right. We're all we're always good with that. Greg, until next time, we just rock the Caspa. Yes, sir. Thank you again for listening to these Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.